Star Wars 7x7 episode 2939. Today is the last of our shows dedicated to a final review of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, aside from the Jedi business things, of course. And today, we're going to focus on the series as a whole, what it did well, what, eh, yeah, maybe they could have done a little better on. You know, nothing's perfect, but this one was pretty darn good. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So I think one of the ways that we need to look at the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is from a marketing standpoint for all intents and purposes. This is the first series to come out after the Book of Boba Fett and whereas I enjoyed the Book of Boba Fett, I also feel like it was almost not really the Book of Boba Fett. Like it was as much about the Mandalorian as it was about Boba Fett and essentially served as a season 2.5 of the Mandalorian, which is fine, which is enjoyable, but it sets up an expectation that doesn't quite get fulfilled. And I know that we could have long discussions about fan expectation and about whether it should be fulfilled, whether it shouldn't be, whether it should be subverted, whether it should be a surprise or whatever. That's all perfectly well and good. But if you are going to, you know, put out information about a show and then not have the show follow it so much or go off in a direction that really doesn't have anything to do <laughs> with what the show's promoted as, then it's kind of an issue. You know what I mean? The Kenobi series, however, did live up to the expectations that were set by the marketing and the promotion of the series. So one of the things they said was that it would get Obi-Wan off planet and it would be a rollicking adventure. And it certainly was that. It was a planet hopping bonanza, right? So from Tatooine, we went to Dayu, we went to Jabim, we went to Mapuzo, we went to Nur, we went to Mustafar, we went to some uncharted moon or, you know, unnamed moon, some desolate rocky moon, and to Alderaan as well at the height of its beauty and majesty. Oh man, we really got to see a lot of the galaxy in a short span of time and that was very refreshing. Now, one of the things that we talked about on the show as we were building up to the Obi-Wan series was that they would need a pretty big reason to get Obi-Wan off planet and they came up with it with the kidnapping of young Leia. And since we've been talking actor kudos over the last few episodes, I do want to take a moment to applaud Vivian Lyra Blair. What an excellent job she did as young Leia. Absolutely terrific. I think, you know, the only <laughs> the only off moment was the monologue that they gave her in that first episode where she's dressing down one of the cousins. Like, that might have been written a little bit too... <laughs> too much for that age of a person, right? But she delivered it as well as you could possibly hope for. And throughout the rest of the series, she was just terrific. Meanwhile, they didn't give Grant Feely too much to do as young Luke Skywalker, but the stuff that he did was spot on and it really needed to be more about Leia anyway. I mean, that was the whole focus of the series and what a brilliant idea. And also what a brilliant idea to bring Luke and Leia more in line with each other in terms of their importance to the future of the galaxy. And in a way that I haven't really seen talked about, but then again, it's entirely possible that I've missed this online too. This is a bit of an origin story for Leia as well, putting her on the path to being a rebel. 
Certainly she was rebelling against her parents at the beginning of the series, but by the time it ends, she takes her role more seriously and she's ready to step into that. Now, we've already talked about Hayden Christensen and sung his praises for his performance in the show, and so I'll let that one stand from a couple of episodes ago. We haven't really talked about James Earl Jones and his performance, and there's also the question of re-speecher, which is mentioned in the credits, and James Earl Jones's voice sounds a lot stronger and more present than it did in Star Wars Rebels, so the implication would be that re-speecher was used to tweak it somewhat, but that has not been officially announced anywhere at this point, and I don't know if it ever will be, and that's okay if it isn't. Ultimately, it was done in service of making that performance just Darth Vader as a whole as compelling as possible, and they did it. And the dual duels, <laughs> D-U-A-L-D-U-E-L-S, right? That was also very well done. The idea to have Vader and Obi-Wan face each other not once, and really almost not twice, but three times, like they kind of got close to each other with episode five, right? Just with Vader coming in and Obi-Wan in that shuttlecraft just escaping in time, right? Like just knowing they were that close is almost like having a third confrontation of sorts and even the whole you know uh it's over and he just wants me to surrender and all that stuff back and forth right like that was just so well done and it really gave us a lot of meaty vader slash anakin and obi-wan interaction so that was tremendous too so that kind of thing actually plays into some criticisms that are out there about whether the show was too long for what it was. Like, did it really need six episodes to tell the story that it told? And eh, yeah, maybe not. But am I glad that they used six episodes to tell this story and to do all the things that they did with it? Yes, absolutely. I wanted Ewan McGregor acting his face off as Obi-Wan Kenobi for the entirety of the series for as long as we could get him. It's such a blessing that he came back, that he said yes, that he was thrilled by the possibility that after everything that happened with the prequels and the you know, fan reactions and the press reactions and the critics reactions and that sort of thing, that he was still into the idea and that fans of the prequels have now become a new voice, a positive voice in Star Wars fandom to welcome you and back to welcome Hayden back what a blissful situation and so awesome that we got to the point where the environment allowed them to say yes to something like this now I know all this sounds like sunshine and roses but there are a couple of things that could have been improved upon with the series I'll say the inquisitors would be one of the first things and basically giving them more to do with all the Inquisitors we got to see in the series, it's kind of surprising that we didn't get to see more lightsaber action with those folks in some form or another. And the fact that Obi-Wan was actually in the base of the Inquisitorius and yet really didn't have any significant lightsaber battles as a result of being there and in the process of trying to escape, yeah, that's something where I feel like, mm, that seems like a missed opportunity. And especially when you have the Grand Inquisitor monologuing on the first episode about the Inquisitors and what their whole deal is and that sort of thing. All right, so that's one thing. Another thing has to do with Baru. So they brought Bonnie Peace back for this series and I'm super glad that they did. I wish they had done more with her. It was certainly nice to see her being the decisive one in the final episode and she's also the one who gets the best shot on Reva out of anyone. 
Another thing that seems like a missed opportunity, and we talked about this on a previous episode, was Nari and Riva and the possibility of a significant interaction between them, some kind of moment between them, basically, because Nari is, of course, the Jedi who they were hunting at the very beginning of the series, and he seems to have been somebody who was in the Jedi Temple along with Riva when Order 66 went down and managed to escape. I think he was one of those five along with Riva, and so to have some sort of moment of recognition, some sort sort of powerful connection, I think that really would have been a very compelling moment to have in the series. And there's one other thing, but this is just a personal thing for me. I'm bummed that Tala got killed as a result of this series. And it's kind of funny in a way, coincidental, not ironic, <laughs> that Tala's name is very close to Tally's name. Tally is the A-Wing pilot in The Last Jedi who seemed like she might have been someone who could hold her own with Poe Dameron in a dogfight. And she got killed when Kylo Ren went on his strafing run against the Rattus in The Last Jedi. So I was bummed to lose Tally. I was bummed to lose Tala. But again, that's just my own personal thing. So the last thing I'll say is that with a series like this, they have to make sure that they aren't you know, violating any storytelling that's happened before or after. And I know George Lucas has famously said, apocryphally said, that continuity is for wimps, but we are in a space where continuity is something they got to pay attention to on some level at least. And the folks behind the series did such an artful job of weaving this story into the broader fabric of Star Wars storytelling. It's just super impressive. And I can't find any loose strings to pull at so far. Like even the ending where Obi-Wan tells young Leia that we can't tell anyone about this, we have to keep this a secret between us, that really does play well for the beginning of A New Hope when she says, General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. That's her keeping their previous connection secret. I mean, imagine if that message she sent to Obi-Wan got into the Empire's hands and they heard her say, hey, Obi-Wan, long time no see. Oh, that's dangerous for her. That's dangerous for Obi-Wan. That's dangerous for everyone involved. I mean, it's bad enough that she knows where Obi-Wan is, right? I mean, from the outside perspective, from the Empire's perspective, they would certainly find out that Leia knew that Obi-Wan was on Tatooine, but the way that she knew that is because her father told her, so it kind of places the blame squarely to dad as a result. And it creates sort of a plausible deniability for her in that regard. So it does kind of leave a question floating out there that you wonder about, like how much did Leia know during this whole adventure? Like, did she know that Vader was a part of this situation? Did Bale know that Vader was a part of it? I'm sure Obi-Wan mentioned something to him, I would have imagined. I guess the real question, though, is whether Obi-Wan would have told Bale and Brea that Anakin and Darth Vader are the same person. But those are the kind of details that are just things that you might suddenly wonder about when your brain is otherwise occupied or wandering and daydreaming and whatnot. It's not necessarily crucial to the series as a whole. In other words, that's a long way around of saying that man oh man did they do a good job of keeping in mind previous storytelling, integrating the series into existing storytelling, and also finding ways to trigger little bits of nostalgia by mirroring, mirroring, <laughs> echoing, rhyming with other Star Wars storytelling too. 
So in the end, it was a strong series. It may not have had the novelty and excitement of The Mandalorian, but it certainly had the nostalgia and it dealt with it in a very fresh way, I thought. And so that right there is my final review on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And I'd love to hear what you thought of it overall. So please chime in where there's a comment section wherever you're catching this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, there's comments right there. <laughs> if you're catching it on an audio version, then please head over to sw7x7.com and look for the blog post for this show's episode or hit me up on Twitter at SW7x7podcast. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respected trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.